Hi, my name is Father Mike Schmitz, and you're listening to the Bible in a Year podcast, where we encounter God's voice and live life through the lens of Scripture. The Bible in a Year podcast is brought to you by Ascension. Using the Great Adventure Bible timeline, we'll read all the way from Genesis to Revelation, discovering how the story of salvation unfolds and how we fit into that story today. It is day 346. We're reading Acts of the Apostles, chapter 25, only four chapters to go, including chapter 25, as well as Galatians, St. Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapters 4, 5, and 6. The conclusion, only in two parts, so we get Galatians 1 through 3 yesterday and 4, 5, and 6 today. And we're also reading Proverbs chapter 29, verses 15 through 17. As always, the Bible translation I'm reading from is the Revised Standard Version, the second Catholic edition. I'm using the Great Adventure Bible from Ascension. If you want to download your own Bible in a year reading plan for this home stretch, you can visit ascensionpress.com slash Bible in a year. You can also subscribe to this podcast and receive daily episodes and daily updates. That is today, day 346, Acts 25, Galatians 4, 5, and 6, and Proverbs chapter 29, verses 15 through 17. The Acts of the Apostles, chapter 25. Paul appeals to Caesar. Now, when Festus had come into his province, after three days, he went up to Jerusalem from Caesarea. And the chief priests and the principal men of the Jews informed him against Paul, and they urged him, asking as a favor, to have the man sent to Jerusalem, planning an ambush to kill him on the way. Festus replied that Paul was being kept at Caesarea, and that he himself intended to go there shortly. So, said he, let the men of authority among you go down with me, and if there is anything wrong about the man, let them accuse him. When he had stayed among them not more than eight or ten days, he went down to Caesarea, and the next day he took his seat on the tribunal and ordered Paul to be brought. And when he had come, the Jews who had gone down from Jerusalem stood about him, bringing against him many serious charges which they could not prove. Paul said in his defense, Neither against the law of the Jews, nor against the temple, nor against Caesar have I offended at all. But Festus, wishing to do the Jews a favor, said to Paul, Do you wish to go up to Jerusalem, and there be tried in these charges before me? But Paul said, I am standing before Caesar's tribunal, where I ought to be tried. To the Jews I have done no wrong, as you know very well. If then I am a wrongdoer, and I have committed anything for which I deserve to die, I do not seek to escape death. But if there is nothing in their charges against me, no one can give me up to them. I appeal to Caesar. Then Festus, when he had conferred with his counsel, answered, You have appealed to Caesar. To Caesar you shall go. Festus consults King Agrippa. Now, when some days had passed, Agrippa the king and Bernice arrived at Caesarea to welcome Festus. And as they stayed there many days, Festus laid Paul's case before the king, saying, There is a man left prisoner by Felix. And when I was at Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of the Jews gave information about him, asking for sentence against him. I answered them that it was not the custom of the Romans to give up anyone before the accused met the accusers face to face and had opportunity to make his defense concerning the charges laid against him. When, therefore, they came together here, I made no delay, but on the next day took my seat on the tribunal and ordered the man to be brought in. When the accusers stood up, they brought no charge in his case of such evils as I supposed, but they had certain points of dispute with him about their own superstition and about one Jesus who was dead, but whom Paul asserted to be alive. Being at a loss how to investigate these questions, I asked whether he wished to go to Jerusalem and be tried there regarding them. But when Paul had appealed to be kept in custody for the decision of the emperor, I commanded him to be held until I could send him to Caesar. And Agrippa said to Festus, I should like to hear the man myself. Tomorrow, said he, you shall hear him. Paul is brought before Agrippa. So the next day, Agrippa and Bernice came with great pomp, and they entered the audience hall with the military tribunes and the prominent men of the city. Then by command of Festus, Paul was brought in. And Festus said, King Agrippa and all who are present with us, you see this man, about whom the whole Jewish people petitioned me, both at Jerusalem and here, shouting that he ought not to live any longer. 
but I found that he had done nothing deserving death, and as he himself appealed to the emperor, I decided to send him. But I have nothing definite to write to my lord about him. Therefore, I have brought him before you, and especially before you, King Agrippa, that after we have examined him, I may have something to write. For it seems to me unreasonable in sending a prisoner not to indicate the charges against him. The Letter of St. Paul to the Galatians, Chapter 4 I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no better than a slave, though he is the owner of all the estate. But he is under guardians and trustees until the date set by the father. So with us, when we were children, we were slaves to the elemental spirits of the universe. But when the time had fully come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So, through God, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir. Paul reproves the Galatians. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were in bondage to beings that by nature are no gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather, to be known by God, how can you turn back again to those weak and beggarly elemental spirits whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid I have labored over you in vain. Brethren, I beg you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first, and though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What has become of the satisfaction you felt? For I bear you witness that, if possible, you would have plucked out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out, that you may make much of them. For a good purpose, it is always good to be made much of, and not only when I am present with you. My little children, with whom I am again in travail until Christ be formed in you, I could wish to be present with you now and to change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. The Allegory of Hagar and Sarah Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, the son of the free woman through the promise. Now this is an allegory. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not with labor pains. For the desolate has more children than she who has a husband. Now we, brethren, like Isaac, are children of promise. But as at the time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, so it is now. But what does the Scripture say? Cast out the slave and her son, for the son of the slave shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So, brethren, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. Chapter 5 Christian Freedom For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand fast, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Now I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is bound to keep the whole law. 
You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is of any avail, but faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who called you. A little leaven leavens all the dough. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view than mine. And he who is troubling you will bear his judgment, whoever he is. But if I, brethren, still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? In that case, the stumbling block of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettled you would mutilate themselves. For you are called to freedom, brethren. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love be servants of one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you are not consumed by one another. The Works of the Flesh and the Fruit of the Spirit But I say, walk by the Spirit, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to prevent you from doing what you would. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are plain, immorality, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, selfishness, dissension, party spirit, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and the like. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us have no self-conceit, no provoking of one another, no envy of one another. Chapter 6. Bear One Another's Burdens Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Look to yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each man will have to bear his own load. Let him who is taught the word share all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all men, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Final Admonitions and Benediction See with what large letters I am writing to you in my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh that would compel you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who receive circumcision do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. But far be it from me to glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, 
but a new creation. Peace and mercy be upon all who walk by this rule, upon the Israel of God. Henceforth, let no man trouble me, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brethren. Amen. The Book of Proverbs, chapter 29, verses 15 through 17. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. When the wicked are in authority, transgression increases, but the righteous will look upon their downfall. Discipline your son and he will give you rest. He will give delight to your heart. Father in heaven, we give you praise and glory. We thank you for this day. We thank you for the gift of all that St. Paul went through, his imprisonment and persecution, his afflictions, not only his afflictions and doing this out of love for you and in service to the gospel so that we can have him, him as an example, but also, Father, thank you for giving him a spirit of joy in the midst of all this, joy in the midst of affliction. We ask you to please give us joy in the midst of affliction. Abba, Father, Dad in heaven, give us joy in the midst of affliction. In the midst of persecution, help us to trust in you more than anything else. When we cannot trust in ourselves or even in the people who love us and claim to love us, help us to always trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So here we are in Acts of the Apostles, chapter 25. We have Paul appealing to Caesar. He already kind of threw that out there that he was going to, you know, he's a Roman citizen and he was going to appeal to Caesar. So he does this and uh, he was brought before the king, King Agrippa. And tomorrow we're going to hear about how St. Paul testified and gave his witness, his testimony um, to King Agrippa and Bernice uh, and was able to basically tell the truth, tell the gospel, share the gospel with the King Agrippa. But when it comes to St. Paul's letter to the Galatians, the second half, right? We, yesterday we read chapters one, two, and three. Today is chapters four, five, and six. And we concluded the letter of St. Paul to the Galatians. We remember the context for his letter. The context is the Judaizers, right? Those people who came in and were basically telling the Christians, the new Christians that, yeah, you need to be circumcised. You need to follow the law in order to have the fullness of God's spirit, the fullness of the new covenant. And here's Paul and he is ticked off. St. Paul is, he is upset. I love this. In chapter 24, he makes it very, very clear. He says, when the time had fully come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because your sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So through God, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir. Basically, back in the day, before all of this stuff, before Jesus, those under the law, right? The Jewish, Jewish people were unable to keep the law. We heard this in Romans. We heard this in Corinthians. And then before this too, you Gentiles, you never even knew that there was a God who loved you. And so you failed to keep the law. But now, but now you've been made into God's sons and daughters. Why would you want to go back? Why would you? That's what he even asked in verse nine. He says, how can you turn back again to those weak and beggarly elemental spirits whose slaves you want to be once more? And this is the truth for how many of us, every single one of us, we're tempted to go back to our, our former bosses, our former little tiny tyrants, those little lords, those, those idols that take and take and take and never give anything back. And yet here is St. Paul who reminds us, you have a father who loves you, who just wants to give. So what is going on? And so St. Paul goes on to talk about the allegory of Hagar and Sarah. Hagar, the concubine, essentially the servant of Sarah, 
Abraham had relations with her and they had conceived a son, Ishmael. That was the, the child of slavery, essentially. And then Sarah, who had the freeborn child, who was Isaac, that through that child is the blessing. And here is St. Paul making this allegory here, saying that you're of the free. You, you, you are set free by God in Christ Jesus. And then the first line of chapter five, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand fast, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. I would say, tell you, I probably highlighted a couple all-time verses, all-time favorite verses. One of them is this verse, chapter five of Galatians, verse one. Also, we Romans chapter 12, verse one. Some of those later on, Revelation chapter 12, verse one, There's a, or Hebrews chapter 12, verse one. There's a lot, of, a lot of good verses in there. But for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand fast, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Um, one of the things that St. Paul concludes this letter in the end of chapter five, at least, is the works of flesh and the fruit of the spirit. And it's really interesting to take a moment, really, and recognize St. Paul has a list. And sometimes when we have these lists, they're just words that go in one ear and out the other. Lists of immorality, right? Or work, lists of works of the flesh are immorality and impurity licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, selfishness, dissension, party spirit. That's the divisions they had amongst them. Like I belong to Apollos, I belong to Paul. Envy, drunkenness, carousing, and the like. All of those things, all of those things are things that separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Every single one of them take away our heart. They're the works of the flesh that destroy us, that keep us slaves. But he also says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Okay, let's highlight this. This will be the last thing we say, maybe. <laughs> These are the fruits of the Spirit. What that means is, this is the fruit of a life lived in God. They are a byproduct, you might say. They're an outgrowth of walking with God, walking in the Holy Spirit, walking in Christ, remaining, living, growing in God's will automatically will come about. I mean, if you're an orange tree, you don't have to really work to grow oranges. You just grow oranges. If you're an apple tree, you don't have to work to grow apples. You just grow apples. So here, the fruits of the spirit, if you're living in the spirit, here's what's going to happen. These are the fruits, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the fruits of a life lived in the spirit. So if I have them in my life, okay, good. That's a good indication. That's a good sign that you're walking in the spirit. And if they're not in my life, that's a good sign that I might not quite be walking in the spirit. In chapter six, verse seven, St. Paul makes a very big point, And that is, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Basically, if you plant corn, you're going to get corn. If you plant orange trees, you're going to get orange trees. What is it you want to get? I want to get love and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. If I do, then I need to plant those seeds. I need to actually invest those things. What, you know, it doesn't make any sense to plant rice and then be surprised that rice is growing. It doesn't make any sense to say, I want potatoes, but instead I'm going to plant beans. Does that make sense? I'm mixing my metaphors here, but it's so important. St. Paul says at the very end here, well, close to the very end, he says, let us not grow weary in well-doing for in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. So my brothers and sisters, my friends, in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. So don't lose heart. Praying for you. He says, far be it from me to glory 
except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. The last words of St. Paul in this letter, he says, Henceforth, let no man trouble me, for I bear the mark of, the, on my body, the marks of Jesus. That's led some people to, to wonder if St. Paul had the stigmata, right? The actual wounds of Jesus in his hands, on his feet, and his sides, like St. Padre Pio did, and some others have had this, but St. Francis of Assisi had that. But it's possible that he would bear for the rest of his life on his body the marks of Jesus, that stigmata. It's possible. But do not lose heart. Even if we find ourselves full of fruits of licentiousness and fruits of the works of the flesh, begin planting the works of the Spirit. Begin planting love and peace and joy and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control. And by God's grace, we'll be given those fruits of the Spirit. I'm praying for you. Please, please pray for me. My name is Father Mike. I cannot wait to see you tomorrow. God bless. 